This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, August 7th, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. As the U.S. House seeks to punish oil companies with billions of dollars in new taxes, and economists push for higher taxes on gasoline to recover costs associated with pollution, are higher gas taxes the best way to address concerns about pollution? Cato Institute senior fellow Jerry Taylor says no. In a policy analysis written with Peter Van Doren, Taylor articulates reasons why federal gas taxes should not only not be raised, but should be eliminated. Economist Greg Mankiw and others are pushing for higher gas prices to recover certain costs associated with air pollution. You say yourself that environmental damage associated with driving vehicles does constitute a market failure, but you oppose these kinds of taxes. What do you see as wrong with uh, Pagovian taxes on gasoline? Because they're taxing the wrong thing. If you want to tax pollution, you want to internalize that externality by taxing, and what you do is you tax pollution. You don't tax fuel consumption. Because it turns out that different cars have different impacts on the environment depending upon how well they're maintained. It turns out that even a, that just a small percentage of the cars on the road constitute contribute a significant amount of the air pollution just because they're not well maintained uh, and they're older cars or what have you. And so if you tax gasoline trying to get at pollution, you will be grossly overtaxing some people and grossly undertaxing other people. But the technologies associated with taxing pollution from the tailpipe are pretty mundane. Right now, cars are so heavily computerized, we monitor emissions uh, quality from cars on a, on an hour, on a, on a minute-by-minute basis. It would be relatively easy to have establish a system where that information could be downloaded to tax authorities so people could pay appropriately. So if we want to get at the pollution associated with driving, Taxing gasoline tax is the wrong thing. And a national tax is even worse because the, um, the, the, the harms caused by pollution vary tremendously depending upon where you're driving. For instance, I'm from Sioux City, Iowa, and a unit of air pollution in Sioux City, Iowa causes far less damage there than that same unit of air pollution would cause in L.A. for the simple reason that the air shed in, in Sioux City, Iowa could hold a lot more pollutants before they have an impact on health than, say, the, the air shed in L.A., which is very heavily burdened. So you, it, in an ideal world, what you would have are taxes which were established by local authorities, not even by state authorities or federal authorities, and there would be taxes which target the bad that we're concerned about, in this case, air pollution. Now, it may very well be that taxing air pollution at the local level is the best policy, but it might also be that the costs associated with that are, are simply higher than the costs associated with ham-fisted command and control regulation, which just mandate you know, certain standards for air emissions out of, out of tailpipes. And there's no reason to necessarily, just on a matter of, uh, of, uh, of theory and ideology, dismiss that. So if there is an air pollution problem coming out of cars, I don't think a gasoline tax is the proper remedy. A federal tax is certainly not the proper remedy. You've said that higher gas prices will lead to investment and research and development for new sources of energy or even more efficient consumption of energy. Wouldn't taxes on gasoline spur precisely that kind of development? Well, they certainly would, but the question is, how does the government know that it's best to send resources into, say, biofuels rather than something else in the economy? In other words, when the government imposes different taxes on different activities in the economy, it's rigging the market to, uh, to uh, encourage investment here rather than there. Now, if you look at the fuels market in particular, the differential between the cost of gasoline and the cost of alternatives, say battery-powered cars or ethanol or something like that, is tremendous. Uh, certainly, if we increase gasoline taxes, we'll encourage investment in these alternatives. But it may very well be that those investments are not very good for the economy as a whole because that money could have been better spent elsewhere. If you look at the ethanol program as an example, you say, well, you know, maybe if we encourage investment in ethanol, we're, we'll be able to reduce environmental bads that way. Well, again, if you tax pollution, you'll 
it'll get to that same end anyway. But if you look at ethanol in particular, you find that the environmental costs associated with ethanol consumption are probably greater than they are even for gasoline consumption. Uh, it increases greenhouse gas emissions vis-a-vis gasoline, according to a new study from MIT. Uh, it would increase urban smog, according to a study by Mark Jacobson at Stanford University, vis-a-vis gasoline. Uh, and then look at battery power technology. Well, basically that means running your car not on oil, but coal, well, which is the bigger environmental bad. You can make a pretty strong argument that coal is the bigger environmental bad. So again, what the government should do with its tax regime is to essentially try to stay as neutral as possible uh, and let uh, market actors decide where to invest their capital uh, based on their own calculations regarding return with a proviso that if we do find these externalities, you can make a case for taxing them directly. But again, it's not gasoline consumption that's the issue. It's the externalities associated with driving that are the issue, and that implies a different uh, tax regime. Now, last week, the U.S. House passed $16 billion in taxes on oil companies. Nancy Pelosi stated her support for it because it was about the future, focused on future generations. What underlies this uh, concern about depletion of oil? Well, depending upon who you talk to, we're either nearing a peak in global oil production or we're just beginning to see the uh, maturity of the hydrocarbon age. It's not clear. Every time we've seen a price spike in uh, gasoline, We've had people come out of the woodwork regarding the, uh, the end of the petroleum era. You can go back to 1920 and find arguments that we're about to run out of oil, and then they dissipate as soon as the, the price collapse occurs, and then they'll occur again and again. We've been through five such boom and bust cycles in the gasoline markets. So if you ask the question, how do we know how much oil is left to be found, that's an unanswerable question. Nobody can really know how much oil we haven't found yet. Uh, so we, we have to start with a little bit of humility. But we can say that if past is prologue, high price will induce conservation and new supply and eventually bring prices back down again. We have all sorts of, of, of alternative uh, fossil fuel uh, sources for uh, oil that we haven't uh, tapped yet because of price. For instance, we have more oil locked up in shale rock in the Rocky Mountain West than the Saudis have improved conventional oil reserves. Why don't we use it? Because it cost, it, you would have to have about a ninety to a hundred dollar uh, price for oil in the market before you can make a profit extracting that oil. But with technology, that might change over time. I don't know. Right now, we don't use that kind of unconventional uh, fossil fuel, but we could. Tar sands are another example of that with adequate price, you're going to see incentives for those. So it may very well be that the future uh, in uh, oil markets isn't ethanol or, or hydrogen or battery powered cars. It might be uh, sources of crude from unconventional sources. Jerry Taylor is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. His policy analysis entitled, Don't Increase Federal Gasoline Taxes, Abolish Them, is available at our website, cato.org.